Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, I got a suspicious phone call with the area code uh, specifically around the Orlando area and mysterious voice. I couldn't quite make it out. They were offering me a job to be parking lot security. I'm not quite sure what that's for. <laughs> oh, do tell my friend, do tell. And conspicuous by his absence, the senior sports editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Maybe he took the job offer. Coach Duffy. And that is a possibility. I know he was very, very distraught. About the next season right now, he's he's working up the game plan right now, and he's getting focused on the Conor McGregor fight, but fear not, he'll be back in studio at some point. But you got Pat and you got myself in ready to talk about everything going on that you need to know in the land of sports, so definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our links to Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, Instagram, and so much more at odphpodcast.com, and always remember to use the hashtag odphpod. That being said, let's kick off this edition recapping an interesting night of fights for the UFC this past Saturday night. Record-setting night. Yes, break it down for us. Yeah, so of course, uh, we previewed it last week, but this uh, past Saturday at the Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona, uh, was UFC 263. Uh, The attendance was a reported 17,208 people uh, with a total gate of $4.2 million. And why do I say it's record-setting? Not the crowd, not not the gate. Uh, there were 11 fights on this card from top to bottom. So main card, prelim, preliminary card, and the early preliminary card, uh, that went to decision. Uh, on the early prelim card, you had four of the five fights go to decision, uh, on the, uh, preliminary card on ESPN and ESPN plus of the one, two, three, four fights on that card, you had all of them go to decision. Mm -hmm. And then on the main card out of the one, two, three, four, five fights on that card, Three of them went decision. Uh, the previous record, which had been set and tied multiple times, was 10. Uh, this one, however, was 11. Yeah, this one was a very interesting night of fights, and we definitely appreciate everybody that swung by the live reactions. No footage on twitch.tv slash podcast. I didn't get yelled at, and I didn't get thrown out of my apartment, so it's a good thing. Yes, it was definitely a good thing, and record-setting views, so we say thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in about that. And the main card, I want to break down each fight just for a little bit, because this card on paper... Was looking very good. Yeah. Couple fights surprised. Not the best card of all time, you know, because I remember what was it? They announced the, the UFC 200 card. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit, this card's amazing!" Like, to, like even the preliminary fights or the preliminary card were like, "Holy shit, we got to watch these." And even the early preliminary stuff, we were like, "Okay, this isn't like top tier stuff, but these are names that I know, and these are fights we got to see." Yeah, they were definitely bringing it. But when we get to the main card, it seemed like things. I don't want to say went off the tracks a little bit. Uh, they, they lost a step or two. But they did, They definitely did lose a step. Albeit, though, that first fight on the main card. Yo. That was an intense moment. Pad, 
What you got? Uh, yeah, so the first fight on the card was in the light heavyweight division between Jamal Hall Hill and uh, Paul Craig. And uh, Craig defeated Hill via TKO, specifically punches, at 1 minute and 59 seconds in the first round. So we're starting off this first call, first fight of the card going, holy shit, this is a hot start. Yeah, this was definitely a hot start because during this fight, Hill and Craig were going at it. And they had a lot of trash talk beforehand. And once they got going on the ground, Craig put him in a very, very nasty arm bar. And we say it stopped by punches because this one, they did technically stop, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't by punches. Yeah. During the submission attempt, when it was in an arm bar, Hill's arm was dislocated. It looked like it broke. It looked like it snapped off. Uh-huh. And while Craig transitioned to a triangle choke, you saw Hill's arm flailing and flapping. Yeah, and, and he even tried to tap, but because of the position he was in and the fact that his arm he was trying to tap with was dislocated, it was like a wet noodle. Yeah, he couldn't do anything about it. And even Craig noticed it and was yelling about it too. So the referee did call this not by submission, but by a TKO. Right. And I know a lot of people online were like, oh, well, you could verbal tap. How come he didn't verbal tap? Um, now, admittedly, never dislocated a limb, but I have broken a bone or two. When you're in a significant amount of pain, yelling, you know, I tap, I tap, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, is probably the last thing on your mind. Mm-hmm. You're, you're too busy going, ow, holy shit, this hurts. Yes. And give credit to Hill for sticking it out. He did not tap. No. And I am just amazed by that because when you see that replay if you catch it it literally looked like he snapped his arm like tim sylvia and frank mirror yeah well and that was what threw us was we couldn't believe they were letting him stay in the octagon for the uh reading of the results which we at the time we thought it was broke just because yeah he was standing there the doctors were looking at it the trainers were looking at it you know his team was looking at it and the cameraman comes in to show it and we're like holy shit this is gnarly not like you know uh, Chris Weidman breaking his leg gnarly, mm-hmm. but it was still pretty gnarly. And then they go to read the the results, and we're like, "Oh my god, he's got a broken arm! Why is he still in there?" And then come to find out, all right, slightly not as bad. Yo, you know, it's only dislocated. It was only dislocated. They popped it back in. Yeah, that night. And then yeah. there's a photo going around too. I guess that they were out celebrating that oh, Saturday yeah. night. So, oh yeah, what a sport, man! I love I love that. So I got to add one thing to the records because I just read it too. Uh, this according to uh, Wikipedia. Uh, and they source uh, MMA Junkie on USA Today. Uh, the event was also the longest UFC event with three hours, 19 minutes, and 32 seconds of fight time. I would believe it. With all those decisions, you're going to get that. Oh, yeah. That fight did not have one. Our next one did. Yep. So that was in the welterweight division where uh, you had Damian Maya taking on Bilal Muhammad. Uh, and you had Muhammad emerge victorious via unanimous decision. Really not surprised here at all. No. I mean, Muhammad has been an up-and-coming fighter in this welterweight division. And Damian Maya, I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. He is an absolute Hall of Famer. He is Mm -hmm. arguably the greatest BJJ fighter in MMA history. So he's 43 and a half. He turns 44 in November. But at the same token, uh, he has 39 professional fights dating all the way back to September 21st, 2001. Right. And at this stage, he couldn't get a takedown on Muhammad the entire fight. And when you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master and you're struggling for takedowns, the writing is on the wall. And I hate saying that. I'm not saying this with any flair in my voice. It is just 
you know a fighter's career is near the end yeah. when they can't compete at that Yeah, level. the judges' scores uh, went 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. I tend to agree with the person who scored at 30-27. Yeah, I did too. Because 29-28 to me, and now admittedly I'm not a judge. I've never judged UFC events or boxing events. But to me, when I hear 29-28, that's, hey, you almost had it, but you were just you just missed it. Yeah. This, t- you know, again, no disrespect to Damian Maya. He didn't just miss it. No, he didn't just miss it. Unfortunately, he's at that stage where, you know, the window is shutting. The right, the writing's on the wall. It's just, he doesn't want to accept it. No. And he definitely said that he wants one more fight in the UFC. And then he wants to retire. He said the UFC has been his home for many years, which is fact. Okay. And he said he did want one more fight. He has called out his opponent. Okay. And that is the loser of the next competition. Oh, so yeah, the next uh, competition was in the welterweight division between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz making his triumphant return. Uh, and you had Edwards uh, uh, emerge victorious to defeat Nate via unanimous decision. Pad, your thoughts on this? Um, fight was okay. You know, it wasn't the barn burner I was expecting it to be. There was a bit of the trash talk that I was expecting. You know, I wasn't expecting, you know, Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz levels of trash talk. But mm-hmm. I, was, I was expecting some trash talk, and I got it. Uh, surprised by the end, ending and the way it went, you know, maybe Nate does have a little ring rust. I think there was one factor that stood out to me. I did a rewatch of this fight. Okay. Nate was not interested. Mm. Nate came in the cage in my opinion, and you could tell by the first couple rounds when he was doing that weird, I'm giving you my back and I'm going to spin an attack. Right. I I just took that as Nate being Nate. I mean, his his brother Nick laid down in the octagon against Anderson. Right. But I think in that sense, he was relying on that too much. Yeah. where, Where Edwards was pressing the pace in the cage. And it just seemed like Nate wasn't really there. And I know he said in the post-fight scrum that he really wasn't into the fight as well. He said he was hurt. He got like a cut or something that just really took him out of being focused for this. And after watching that and seeing the fight again, you can definitely tell. Because in the first couple rounds, he's not pressing the pace. Right. He's trying to be a more defensive fighter, in my opinion, which is not the Diaz style. What they will do is they pace their punches better than anybody, and it's constant pressure. The Stockton slap is a real thing. They can somehow throw their punches, not at 100%, but they can give you about 70, 70, and then hit you with a 90 out of nowhere. That is how they do it. It's a weird science they've been able to pull off, but they've been able to do it. As the fight is progressing, obviously Nate is cut open. This just in. Right. Water is wet. Same thing happens. Nate bleeds every fight. And you see that he is now starting to finally wake up. Mm-hmm. But the telling sign to me that he, it just seemed like he didn't care about this fight at the at the end yeah. was that fifth round last minute. Yeah. Where he finally like woke up, gets a shot on Edwards, and he legitimately rocks him. Oh, I don't yeah. care what anybody says. And, yeah, and you go back and watch the stream. We're all screaming, go, go, go. Yeah, because he finally clips him enough where you see him stagger a little bit. He is dazed. This is prime moment to do this. If he if he winds up knocking out Edwards or stopping him, yeah. this is the greatest comeback in UFC history. It is even more greater than Anderson Silva coming back on Chael Sonnen, okay. in my opinion, because of how bad he was dominated on his feet, and that's sure. the bread and butter. Sure. We know when Sonnen dominated Silva, Silva is not a great wrestler. He has always no. struggled against wrestlers no. and grapplers. But this is somebody that played right into Nate's 
wheelhouse. Oh God, yeah. So the fact that Nate was sitting there and just going through the motions, and you and you touch upon ring rust, it might be the same thing. Yeah. Because it just looked like he did not care. And then the prime moment is when he finally got that shot. Instead of going in for the kill, yeah. he points at him and starts laughing. Yeah, I mean that that confused me too because that to me was like if if you took the greatest fastball uh, hitter in all of all time, like if the guy who could hit fastballs the greatest, you know, mm. like combine. You know, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Ken Griffey Jr., Aaron Judge, you know, like all the greatest home run hitters into one. And you get a guy up up in the mound who throws a fastball right down the middle of the plate. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to take it. Yeah. And I'm like, just what? And the thing that I didn't agree with was you mentioned the post-fight uh, press conference. And Nate said uh, specifically this was on rocking Leon Edwards in the fifth round. Quote, in a real fight in the real world, then fight that fight's a wrap. He was sleepwalking, close quote. I beg to differ, uh, sir. Yeah. Uh, I love the hell out of you, you know, in a, in a friendly uh, way. You know, I respect the hell out of you because, let's face it, I don't want to get on your bad side. Mm-hmm. But Facts. if this is a, if you fought like that in the real world in the streets, that's not a win. At no point. No, I think he was just trying to say he got the moral victory because he did outclass him at that moment, and technically he did get him, which I'm not going to dispute that manner of thinking but when we were talking about you're in the ufc cage this is an mma legitimate fight yeah you lost because oh yeah you rocked him but you did not finish him the referee it always you leave you left it in the judge's hands and and that's something we've always said is don't leave it in the judge's hand because you don't know what they're going to do and nate being as seasoned as he is should know this yeah but i think that nate has now reached this weird superstar plateau that conor mcgregor has yeah that Certain fighters get to and wins and losses don't matter right. because it's who they are. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing for fighters because for Nate being 36 going on 37, yeah, you only got so much more years of good fighting left in you. It's prime. Mm. It's father time. This yeah. is the only undefeated champion. Yep. Now, And you're coming off the biggest payrolls of your career uh-huh. with the McGregor fights and Masvidal. Yeah. This is one of those moments that, yeah, this is something that maybe is interested you to fight Edwards. And sure. for Edwards, this was the biggest fight of his career. Oh, God, yeah. But for Diaz, I'm sure he's going, yeah, this is cool and all, but I really want to fight Connor. Mm-hmm. I really want to fight somebody else. Like, I don't think his heart was in it for a belt because no. I don't think he's a fighter that needs a belt to be Nate Diaz. No. And that's the one he's, thing. He's made his success off of being himself and being who he is. You know, there's no gimmick. There's no, you know, mask he puts over himself. He doesn't act a different person behind closed doors than he is in public. What you see on your computer screens, phones, tablets, TV screens is who he is. You know, the guy who was at the the unofficial weigh-ins, because let's face it, they do the official ones in the morning. Mm. But the ones for TV at the weigh-ins where he's lighting up a blunt in the middle of the stage, that is Nate to a T. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the most realist people you're going to see. And that's why I said, when just watching him fight, and then when he verified in the post-press conference, I'm like, yeah, you can see it. Those first two rounds were very uncharacteristic. And it looked like he tuned out because he kept just giving up his back for Edwards to do something. And then he tried like a weird spin move pressure to him. Right, which I kind of took, like I said, I took the whole showing his back thing as like just him taunting. It was taunting for a couple times, but he relied on it too much. Yeah. Like, the one thing is when Nick did that with Anderson Silva, yeah. he did it once, maybe twice, and then that was it. 
because he was trying to get Silva to go. Oh which, God, yeah. Because the problem you have is like with Silva, he's a notoriously defensive fighter. He lets he paces mm-hmm. around for a minute to two minutes in the first round, and then he explodes because he figures your timing out. That was always his key to his success. So to see this happen here, a lot of fallout now comes to this division. For Leon Edwards, it's a lock. You can't tell me otherwise. He is the next in line for the winner of Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. I'm sorry. He's earned it. You can't say otherwise. I know this was not a flashy fight. I know that this one was a boring fight, to be honest, and I never thought I'd say that. But in my opinion, it was. Yeah, I'm looking at the UFC.com rankings. Uh, from the champion is obviously Kamaru Usman. But then from the one position all the way through the eight position, there is no change. And Leon Edwards is number three. Uh, the only change thus far was Bilal Muhammad, who, of course, we mentioned one, did jump. Let's see here. Uh, three spots. He jumped up three spots. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a noteworthy win for him over Maya, but at this stage, it's not going to propel him in the top ten. No. And for Edwards, what else can he do? I mean, he is who he is. He's not somebody that's going to put people in the seats because of his trash talk. He is a technically skilled fighter. He will fight a sound fight. Is it anything flashy? No. But he wins, and it's one of those situations for the UFC that you might not want to put him in there because he's not going to draw, but at the same token, he has definitely earned that fight. And I'm sorry, looking at everybody else in that top five, Gilbert Burns is fighting Wonder Boy next. Yeah, on July 10th at UFC 264. Right, but you can't give that fight to Burns because if he wins and let's say Usman is still the champion, they just fought, and that's not enough to really propel himself over Edwards, in my opinion, because Edwards is on that long fight win streak. It's something the UFC is going to have to let just happen. And if Edwards is as good as he is, he's going to definitely fight him off. If he's not, he's not. But Usman will take care of him. It's going to be an interesting fight to see how they match up stylistically. Because Edwards is not going to be somebody, I think, that's going to handle the pace of Covington. Right. And Usman is just Usman. That I don't see anybody in that division beating him right now. I'm sorry. No. It's just one of those fighters that is the king of that division, and nobody is coming close. Edwards might have the record to get that title fight. But I don't think he's going to get the job done if he gets it. No, yeah, I mean, and I'm trying to find any information on Colby Covington's next fight, but there doesn't appear to be anything specific. Hold on, here's something: CBSSports.com. Uh, Colby Covington, Dana White confirms Colby Covington will be next opponent for welterweight Kamara Usman. This is from April 25th. All right, well there we go. So yeah. some, so at some point Covington's going to fight Kamara. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out a date. I, I didn't think anything changed, but I didn't think Edwards did enough to propel himself over Covington. Maybe. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a money fight for Edwards um, if he can get that fight. But, I mean, he's not going to leapfrog. The ratings are going to come in for Covington. Usman, too. There's no chance it's going to oh, happen. Oh, God, yeah, no, yeah. And then the question now becomes what do you do with Nate Diaz? I think – And I don't know. See, there's only a couple fights I think you can do. The one fight now that I think is more clear-cut than the other, you got to run him back with Masvidal. Sure. You have to. In, if you want to put Given the, the way that fight ended, yeah. Yeah, if you want to put the BMF title, if you really care about that in, in the talk, sure. Go ahead and do that. Other than that, for Nate, he's going to be looking for those big money fights. Well, Connor ain't going to want to give him time of day. Connor, I think, might do it if he loses to Poirier again. Okay. Because what else is there? If you wind up losing, 
you're going to be out of that 155 talk. Oh yeah, I mean, because the thing with Connor is, yeah, Connor wants the money fights. You know, he's he's kind of like Nate. He doesn't need the belts. Mm-hmm. He's in it for the cash. Yeah, but I think it's also to a degree is he wants to fight guys that are on his level. He doesn't want to necessarily fight down to a guy. You know, it's not like a major league pitcher going up against you know a single A batter. You know, he oh. he wants to fight guys on his level. So if he right now views uh, Nate as not on his level, I, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me, but I think he does view him on his level. Like, that's the one thing about him is Connor understands who's going to make money with him. He has that certain personality that he knows, if you put me in the cage with him, I can get you X amount of money and views because oh God, yeah. I generate the needle and so does this guy. Well, oh, yeah, given their history. Yeah, and there should be a trilogy fight between them. I've always said that, and I'm going to stick to that. I don't care what weight class it is. You can have it be a catchweight for all I care. But those two are, is, is going to make the most sense. The only yeah. thing that is can hold that up is if Connor does defeat Poirier and tries making a run for 155 again. Right, and then we get a planet-sized monkey wrench thrown in. Oh, that. yeah, that'll, I mean, that'll be a complete different ball of wax there because of how tight the 155ers are. But it's going to be interesting to see what Nate wants to do. I know he says he wants another fight in three, four months, so if he's focused and not handling this loss very well, then we're going to see a different Nate Diaz in the cage next time, and I'm all here for it. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's switch gears to the co-main event. Yeah, so this one was for the flyweight title where Devison Figueredo was taking on Brandon Moreno. Uh, and you had Moreno emerge victorious via rear naked choke submission to become your and new UFC flyweight champion. Did anybody see this coming? Uh, the folks at his camp be- or his, his training hall, because I saw the video of that and they went nuts when he won. So those folks and then his friends and family. Outside what, that, probably no. What an amazing story. And I have to credit ESPN MMA about this one because they posted. When he was on the Ultimate Fighter 24, he was the lowest seed on his team. Mm-hmm. He got cut from the UFC after a two-fight skit. He fought his way back in, and he earned a title shot. And then the first time he fought Figueredo was a match of the year candidate. You, oh, yeah. You can't take it away. And he really put got the best out of Figueredo, who at the time was literally running through everybody at 125. Nobody was coming close to him. And now they come into this fight, and it's a whole different game plan by Moreno. Mm-hmm. Figueredo just was completely caught off guard. Yeah. Did not know what to expect. And Moreno just literally said, I'm leaving this all in the cage. Like, you want to talk about a fighter that lives and dies on the shield. Mm-hmm. He did that for this fight. And the minute they got this to the ground in the third, I don't think Figueredo was expecting it. No. And we were all sitting there watching and going, wait, he's really going to try choking him out. And he had perfect position and yeah. time to work. Yeah. That's the crazy thing about this because Figueredo has been known for just knocking everybody out. But the fact he got taken down and then Moreno got positioned that quick, I don't think he knew how to react. Mm-hmm. And then once he got the tap, it was all over. The crowd exploded. And kudos to Figueredo, too. Classy champion in defeat. Yeah. Put him up on his shoulders and just really couldn't have just been more happy. And, like, seriously, if you know anything about Moreno's story, how do you not root for this? This is going to be oh, a I know. movie to be made Oh yeah, no. at some point. Well, and, and like, we got to give credit to uh, Moreno because one of the things I know we said on stream and we might have said it in the preview last week was Moreno had to come in with a different game plan because, mm-hmm. let's face it, and I didn't realize this until I just looked at it, they fought each other six months to the day. Yeah. They fought each other the first time, which was the majority draw at UFC 256, December 12th, 2020. 
their matchup this past weekend for on UFC 263, June 12th, 2021. Six months ain't a long time. It feels like it to us, but in the fight game, it really ain't a long time. And and for Moreno to come in there with a different game plan and not go the same route and not lay on the same kind of you know tricks he's used to, kudos to you, sir. Absolutely. No, he came in and he looked the role of champion. No question in my eyes. He has always been somebody that when I've caught him in fights, he's always scrapped. He's always been in there. Mm-hmm. Now the question is what happens with this division now? And I'm going to tell you right now, you run it back. Oh, absolutely. You give me that trilogy fight. I know I am not exactly the biggest proponent for triple trilogies right in a row. Sure. I know that the only time I think we've seen it in recent memory has been Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard. See, I wouldn't even call I wouldn't even call this a trilogy quite yet because you look at the first fight, it's a draw. Yeah. You know, nobody won. So you, you like right now the matchup between them is one and oh. One and oh and then oh and one. Yeah. And this is a perfect way to do the story, and especially for a division that is sorely lacking star power. Mm-hmm. You now have the MMA world talking about it, and yeah. that's great. The only thing I'm missing is DJ being back in here, Demetrius Johnson getting yeah. a piece of this. Yeah, I mean, because let's be honest, outside of the champion Moreno and Figueredo, who's the number one uh, ranked fighter, who obviously we know because they follow up this past weekend, me personally, I'm looking at this division, I know like one name, and that's Askar Askarov because I think he fought recently. Yeah, I mean... That is one thing with the lower weight classes that we don't have that star power that generates from your middleweights, yeah. your heavyweights. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because the flyweight division has always had very skilled fighters in it. Mm-hmm. Always have. But they're missing that one person that can be a draw. Yeah. Moreno and Figueredo have now been making this a must-watch division. It's now the question of can you push this division, whichever happens after this fight, the champion – to that next level. Yeah. Can you get that competition in there for him? Oh, yeah. Because if you can't, it's a shame. But for right now, they're the toast of the MMA world. Oh, yeah. And to your point, I definitely think that Moreno's story is going to get made into a movie. And I think I can even tell you who's going to help make it into a movie. Hmm. There was a certain individual who was at one point a college football player turned professional wrestler who made a dip into Hollywood, and he's now, like, the highest-paid actor in all of Hollywood. Ooh, that would be awesome. Who was watching the fights this past weekend that he has, if I'm not mistaken, his own movie production company. Yeah, Seven Bucks Production. He's got his, uh, for those of you who haven't figured it out by now, The Rock. Yeah, Dwayne he, Johnson. Dwayne Johnson's got his own movie production company. He was watching the fights, I know for a fact, because he posted on his Instagram, uh, what was it, in our, our uh, main event, spoiler alert, Adesanya won, uh, they were playing The Rock's old theme song, not the one they use these days, but the one where The Rock says, The Rock said, they were playing that, and Adesanya said something to the camera, so, and uh, The Rock was laughing at it, so he was watching, so he knows about this, so I would not be surprised if he scoops up those rights to turn that into a movie. I'd do it right now if I'm him. Cash in while the iron is hot. Yeah. Because you'll never have a better moment right now while it's still fresh in everybody's head. You don't have to release the movie right away. No. But lock that up now because... And, he, and honest to God, you think Brandon Moreno's going to get the phone call from like his agent or you know his representative and go, hey, uh, what do you think uh, Dwayne Johnson wants to make a movie about your life? Find me a person who says no. I yeah. dare you. Yeah, star is born. And it's funny we were talking about rematches because that's what we got in our main event. Yeah. And this one, a lot of thoughts on this one, Pat. Yeah, so this was for the middleweight championship, which uh, Israel Adesanya was defending against Marvin Vittori. And as I mentioned, Israel Adesanya defeated Marvin Vittori by a unanimous decision. And I'm saying this for a very specific reason. Uh, the judges' scores were 
5045 and 5045. This fight was completely one-sided. Uh-huh. I don't care what Vittori's camp is saying. I don't care what he's saying. Yeah. You might have come close, dot, 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 in one round. Only if you were smoking Nate Diaz's weed. If if you really are trying to emphasize pressing somebody against the cage and not doing anything. Yeah. That's the only round, I want to say it's the third, I would have gave that to because Israel Adesanya, who is coming fresh off that title for title, champion for champion bout against Jan Blachowicz, is now back in the middleweight division. Marvin Vittoria has worked his way up the ranks to get that shot. They've already faced each other before. It was a close fight the first time around. But as we touched upon with the last fight, you have to switch up that game plan. Vittori did not. And it just kind of seemed that he had no answers for Adesanya mm-hmm. at all. Adesanya picked him apart. He was definitely working those leg kicks. Yeah. He was nailing shots. He was keeping him off his game. The only time you saw maybe a quote-unquote round in Vittori's favor is he did get a couple takedowns, but yet you didn't capitalize. Right. I mean, it just wasn't anything to really write home about and go, wow, this fight yeah. really was something. Yeah. For, for takedown attempts, he was 4 for 14. Oh, yeah. So it's like that one round... He got a couple, but they don't stand out enough to make me go, man, he won that round. Oh, yeah. No, and I looked it up. Surprisingly, UFC posted the judges' scorecards on their website, which I don't think they've done before. Not Uh, lately. All three judges scored all five rounds, 10-9 in favor of Israel Adesanya. And and the reason I brought up the scores is, like I said, you know, in the uh, second fight between Maya and Muhammad, I, I, again, don't know much about judges scoring. You know, I can't sit here and go, oh, yeah, I'm an expert. I'm not, but I can understand when you say close scores and this, that. 50-45 ain't close. 50-45 tells me this guy clearly won. You got your ass kicked, and it wasn't even close. And it was. And the thing that threw me was I don't know if I read it online or they said something or, or Vittori said something you know, after the fight was over, that he thought he won. Oh, he said it right after. No, when they got done, and you know how after the fifth round, everybody walks around hands Yeah, yeah which is normal. When they got to the center, and you know, usually everybody says good fight, whatever, Vittori said something like, I got you. And yeah. Adesanya went, no, you didn't. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I did. I won this fight. And he goes, no, you didn't. And like Adesanya, I will give him this credit. If perception is reality... He was very calm. Oh, yeah. And he was trying to be very polite. Well, because I think he was thrown and confused by it because, let's not forget, the end of that fight, Adesanya was fucking around. Yeah. Not th- and not in a, like a negative or bad way. He just knew this was over, and he's like, holy shit, is this really happening? Well, he started taunting him because at this stage... He knew it was over. He knew it was done. And all Vittori did was try pressing him against the cage and try getting a takedown. But I'm sorry, for 25 minutes of work and 14 attempts pulling off four... Like, come on. That's a bad average. That is a horrible average. So you need to switch and do something else. And Adesanya knew this, and that's uh-huh. why he was even sitting there. Like, And he tried doing the classy thing at first, and Vittori just kept arguing with him and saying, yeah. like, I beat you. And he's like... Somebody from his camp needed to pull him aside and go, what the hell are you doing? Right. And for Adesanya, he goes, whatever makes you sleep good at night. And then he cut that fire promo oh, yeah. at the end, which... Adesanya does. And this is why I say he has a lot of Anderson Silva in him because Silva would always do this in the cage too. Like they put on a show and he understands about 
being a performer as well as a fighter. Right. And for anybody who's like, well, you know, you shouldn't really be doing that in the cage. Listen, there's a certain intangible that comes when you're a charismatic person. Oh, yeah. And you can draw people in to see you because either they're going to want to see you win or they're going to want to see you get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Adesanya is approaching that level. He's not there yet. Oh, yeah. But he's approaching that Connor Diaz, Chael Sonnen level. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that being said, at the end of the fight, he said the king is back more or less. He goes, I don't know what he was talking about because there's no chance he was even close to me. No. He was right. And then they ask him about who he's going to fight next. And obviously it's Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously his arch nemesis. And, I mean, Robert Whitaker, Whitaker tweeted as much. Yeah. And I know they want to do the fight back in New Zealand, I believe. But I know Dana White said, unfortunately, with everything going on with COVID, that is not going to happen. I believe his exact quote was saying we have a better chance of getting into Canada right now <laughs> with the restrictions there, which there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's being very safe. And Dana was just trying to make a quick play on words. But that all being said, Adesanya is the current reigning defending king at this division. Yeah. And you take a look at everybody else that's in there. Vittori is a rematch. Yep. Paulo Costa tweeted out he wants to fight Vittori now mm-hmm. because he was taken out of his match. I think they should do that in a heartbeat. Sure. Robert Whitaker is the next up on the list, and then it's kind of like, where do we go from here? I mean, if, if you really can't book Adesanya versus Whitaker because of COVID and restrictions... I think the cost of Vittori fight makes sense because I think right now Adesanya is not going to want to give Vittori the time of day. Like if, if Vittori needs 50 cents to get something out of the vending machine, you know, Adesanya is going to tell him to pound salt, you know, yeah. just because of like if, if Vittori didn't say what he said, like, oh, I got you and was adamant about it and wasn't like ribbing him like, haha, you know, you know, joking and kidding. I think Adesanya would be like, yeah, sure, let's run it back. But the fact that it was so one-sided, mm-hmm. Adesanya dominated the shit out of him. Yeah. And then Vittori to come out of it looking like an ass, I'm sorry, he did. Yeah. Adesanya's going to go, why the hell should I want to fight you again? You were a jackass to me. You lost a fight, and I dominated the shit out of you, and you left no, I left no, you know, wiggle room for anything otherwise. Yeah, no, he, he did a picture-perfect performance. No question about it. And that is what Adesanya is going to be doing in this division because now looking at the rankings, like we said, Robert Whitaker is the logical step. The the only wrench that will be thrown in this is if they want to fight in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. If they can come to terms and fight in the U.S. or Fight Island or somewhere else where it's an easier fight to set up, yeah. Then they're going to go there and do it. I think that they just want to do it in New Zealand, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because right. I, I know originally they were supposed to until right. Whitaker's hernia. Right. So that being said, it just depends on what the champ wants to do. If he wants to take that time off and wait for it, by all means. Well, and also if they can get into New Zealand or not. Yeah, I mean, that's the big factor. Because I can't, I can't speak for New Zealand, but I know Australia, you can get in there, but you need to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. Yeah, it's it's a longer procedure, and it's not exactly yeah. easy to do, and that's why Dana was making the joke about it. But looking at the rest of the division, I mean, there's only a couple of fighters I could see maybe leapfrogging if they pull off something. I know that Jared Kenya, I believe, is fighting Calvin Gastelum. Oh, okay. Because Costa was supposed to fight him. And then that got sidetracked because Costa got hurt. Sure. So that fight, if and I'll tell you this, if Kelvin can pull the win off, that is going to be his way to a title shot. All right. And I will tell you this right now. If that happens, that fight is going to be must-watch TV because Kelvin, for as good of a fighter as he is, is the only one that really pushed Adesanya 
to some kind of danger level in this weight class. Right. And I'm sorry, Whitaker, I love Whitaker too. I mean, I always bet against him, but it's not that I don't like him. It's just I always think that he's going to struggle, and then he finds some way to prove me wrong. And I don't know how, I don't know why, but he just doesn't, and that's he's just that good of a fighter. So to see how this is going to match up is going to be anybody's guess. Yes, that fight is taking place, uh, Kenya and Gaslam, August 21st. Okay. So I just had to get the official date for it. And I tell you what, if Calvin can pull this one off, he gets that title shot. If Kanye pulls it off, he's going to get it. And then that's another fight you can do if Adesanya wants to. I mean, that's the one thing about being at the top of that division. Vittori, I think the fight is to make against Costa. Costa obviously had the embarrassing performance Mm -hmm. against Adesanya. So if he wants to get back in the good graces of Dana and everybody else in the UFC, I think that's the fight you do make. And he's got to put on a hell of a performance. For Vittori... I don't know where you go from here per se, but Costa would be a logical sense in, my, in as far as I'm booking. Yeah. And then you really got to do something to wow because you put on a snooze fest. Yeah, and you put your foot in your mouth and you don't say anything stupid. Yeah. Well, I understand about doing the trash talk, but you got dominated. Oh, trash talk is fine, and, and I understand that. But, like, the fact that you trash talk and then you come out and, oh, I won. I won. Stop. Yeah, you didn't win nothing. Like, how do you come around and uh, say No, he won. He won participation award. Yeah, exactly. But I don't win you nothing. Just wins you another name in Adesanya's loss column because that's the only thing that he's doing is getting wins over you. So you're the next loser on his record. Mm-hmm. Hate to say it, but it is what it is. And you know what main event won't suck? This coming weekend, Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. Oh, that's going to be a fun one on, <laughs> on ESPN2, I believe. Uh-huh. That is going to be a fun one for the featherweight division. I'm telling you what, if you haven't seen either of these guys go at it, it's going to be fireworks. That's a, that's a fight card you don't need ESPN Plus for, folks. If you have ESPN on your television or whatever streaming service you use, you can watch it. Absolutely. So definitely go check that out. We won't be live streaming that this weekend. We're taking the weekend off. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts moving forward from UFC 263? We want to know. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. (laughs) Coming back for another edition on this ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. WWE slash NXT had a monster, monster weekend start Yo. off, and they got another one coming this following week, so there is a lot to digest in the land of the world wrestling entertainment, so let's get into a recap quickly of NXT TakeOver yeah. in your house. Yeah, so there were five matches on this card, and the first one that led off the card was uh, the six-person tag match, winner takes all. You had the NXT North American Championship and the NXT Tag Team titles up for grabs. You had the team of Bronson Reed, Nash Carter, and Wesley uh, taking on the team of, uh, what the heck is their team name again? I'm bummed. Ligado Del Fentismo. Thank you. Uh, and you had Bron- uh, the team in Reed, Carter, and Lee retain to uh, via pinfall to keep their uh, North American and NXT tag team titles respectively. So this is one thing that if anybody's just tuning in for the first time or talking NXT and you're not familiar with what the takeover is, they put on arguably the best quote-unquote pay-per-view cards the WWE can do. So you know when you tune in, you're going to get solid wrestling from bell to bell. Mm -hmm. They've only had one 
subpar takeover since they've started doing these oh, yeah. in the entire history of the oh, NXT. Yeah. So we knew that we were expecting a lot of good things coming from this match. And MSK, formerly the Rascals on the independent scene, and Bronson Reed being the faces of this yep. feud against Legato, Legato del Fantasma. Mm-hmm. And Santos Escobar, who has been absolutely lights out since coming over to WWE. I know him from Lucha Underground. I was a huge fan of him there. This match definitely kicked off the card right. A lot of high-energy moments. Bronson Reed, if you weren't familiar, you are now running through the barricade at Good one point. Lord. Yeah, they definitely played up the big moves, and especially for the uh, deal that the winners got all the belts. So yep. if Reed and MSK had lost, all the championships belts go to Legato. Mm-hmm. So this had a lot of stakes on it, definitely set the pace early, and especially for being in the retro in-your-house set oh, event. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole different vibe to it, but they delivered. And I'm telling you what, if you're not sold on Nash Carter and Wesley by now as tag champs, they're the future of WWE. Oh, God, yeah. If you can't tell by now that Triple H and the brass at WWE slash NXT love these guys, I don't know what I can tell you. This was a fun match. Def- Christ, uh, Bronson getting hit with the Michinoku driver. Fuck. Yeah. Like I say. Everyone in WWE can apparently do that move now. I'm cool with that, though. That is a new Canadian destroyer. And you know what? I'm fine with it because this move doesn't need to be a finisher. No. And it's a big power move that will pop a crowd when they go back live. I'm all here for it. And like I said, Escobar pulling that move off on Bronson Reed, I freaking marked out for. That was insane. Oh, yeah. But still, and still is the winners of the match. So definitely kicked off the card right. Next up uh, was the matchup between Zaylee and Mercedes Martinez, where Zaylee emerged victorious, defeating uh, Mercedes Martinez in a match that was only seven minutes and thirty nine seconds. Be honest, though, it felt a little longer. It felt longer because, as we touched upon the stream as well when we were doing this on six hundred seven uh, podcast on Twitch, there is nothing that is really wow about Zaylee's gimmick right now. I mean, I'm semi interested in it just because. Alexa's thing is interesting. Alexa's gimmick is interesting just because it, it's more from a what the hell is she going to do next perspective. Mm-hmm. Zaya's, you know, spooky gimmick is interesting just from the kind of like foreign flair to it where there, there's always something interesting in movies and TV and books where it's got a supernatural horror aspect to it, but it's from overseas. Because it's not familiar, you know, it's not familiar, it's not like, oh, predictable, like, oh, yeah, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to walk into the house, go into the basement, and there's going to be something there. Like, it's it's something different. It's something different, but I just don't think it's connected because, for no. me, it just it hasn't been established enough, and I don't care about a thousand-year-old... Uh, Spirit. Yeah, like, whatever you want to define it. Like, for supernatural gimmicks in wrestling, we've seen it from years. Say, like, it, time, it's like, Undertaker. Yeah, Undertaker's been the greatest one to do it, and he, the fact that he evolved it into something yeah. is noteworthy. We now see it with Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss, and I am not a fan of where it is now. I just, it's ran its course with me. I'm just, I tune out when I hear it. Because... There's only so much you can do when you have this unstoppable force on the roster. Like, how are you going to do anything with them down the road? Like, there's only a few people that can pull it off, and I just don't think they're doing a good job with it right now. So that is what my argument is with Zia Lee is I just don't get where this gimmick is going. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested for now, but there's not enough there to keep me interested in it. they got to put something in there. they got to develop it a little bit more. 
bring something into the storyline that keeps me interested and keeps and keeps me from flipping the channel or going up and taking a bathroom break. Yeah, but I will say this match was good. Yeah, it was good. Didn't mind it. Like no. it was a very solid match to add to the card and Xylee getting the win. Yeah, but at the end. We had we had the schmas. Yeah, Tiana Shaw came out of her chair and put on. It looked like uh, the um, the Tongan death grip oh, that yeah. Ming used to do yeah. when uh, he was wrestling, and it was just kind of like a weird way to end the segment because right. at first Martinez came in swinging those chairs. Well, because well, Zaya, you know, got all pissy, grabbed a chair, and went to hit her with the chair. I'm like, oh, we're doing the heel thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you won, but you're going to really rub it in and just beat the shit out of her with a chair. Yeah. And then you flunked on it. Yeah. It and, just... then, and then that that whole thing happened. I was just like, okay, this you had a decent ending, but you just kind of let the air out of the balloon. Yeah, like it just really felt ill-timed and just it just didn't flow with the rest of the show. I wouldn't mind seeing this ram back on regular NXT programming, yeah, but yeah, but I just think for where it was on the pay per view, like it just it didn't connect with me, and I was like, all right. But I thought it was a good match, though. Yeah. So I, I can't rip it on that much. Yep. Next up, though, uh, you had Cameron Grimes taking on LA Knight for the million dollar title. Uh, it was the first time you'd seen the title in, I believe, it was eleven years, if I read correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was in a ladder match, and you had LA Knight emerge victorious to become your and new million dollar champion. To the moon. Uh huh. There is no better gimmick other than Roman Reigns on WWE programming right now yes. than Cameron Grimes. Yes. The man who made all his money off GameStop and Bitcoin and all that wonderful jazz. Hashtag new money. Oh, has been running and just oozing with charisma that when he first came in WWE, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure I was going to play out. Yeah, I mean, for me, he never really hooked me or got me interested. But outside of that, like, match he had where he, like... You know, bell rung, ran from the corner, double stomp, one, two, three. I'm like, okay, what the shit, you know? But they added this little f- twist and flavor to it, and I'm like, all right, I'm here for this. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely epic. And then you factor in the uh, wrestler formerly known as Eli Drake. Who's like the most charismatic dude on the planet. If anybody is sleeping on his charisma, man, I don't know what to tell you. And I know that we were kind of having a little discussion about how people are not liking how he kind of comes off like The Rock. Mm. Listen, we've always had characters in wrestling that are that cocky, brash, arrogant type. Oh, yeah. And few people can pull it off like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, yeah. Now, am I saying L.A. Knight's the same? No. No. But he does his own little different thing. His own little twist. He's been doing this since TNA and then some. So, folks, just let it roll and let these two guys have their moment to really grow this feud because this match was phenomenal. I love this match. I thought oh, I it was too. I thought it was a great ladder match. You saw crazy bumps happening. Jesus. But nothing that you're like, oh man, like what is, you know, over the top train wreck. Yeah. Like I say, sometimes you get into ladder matches is just like spot after yeah. spot after spot after spot. Yeah. These guys were telling a good story. And they you... they did the spots and then they let the, the they let the crowd build a little bit before you know before they got to another one. Mm-hmm. They another spot and let the crowd build again. You know, it was it was a good pacing. Yeah, it was great pacing. I mean, the vicious neck breaker on the side of the ladder. Jeez. That made me cringe. I'm not gonna lie about that. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. But at the end of it. L.A. Knight was successful in climbing the ladder to get the belt. That goddamn Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and you know what? Give me more of this feud. Like oh, I, yeah. I am not complaining about this at all. No. But this was a solid start to something down the road, and I hope they do continue this because for Cameron Grimes, he's now done the most subtle turn from heel to face in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Fans are behind him. Big and, show, take notes. Oh, yeah. 
And for L.A. Knight, listen, he's been in NXT for a hot minute. Yeah. Everybody was expecting him to get the AEW-type push for a belt. Yeah. Didn't happen because WWE is smart, and they build characters. Mm -hmm. They are taking their time with him. Now he's getting a push with the million-dollar belt. It's going to be a different kind of gimmick, but he's going to make it work. Him against Cameron Grimes. I could see this going up to SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, I could too. Give him time because they're making it work. And like I say, I wasn't mad about how this was not a crazy spot fest. Yeah. I thought they told an amazing story. Oh, yeah. They took the big spots when they needed to, and like Pat touched upon, they'd hit something and let the crowd build up because what they're doing is, obviously we know we're going to start getting live crowds in sooner than later. They had 300 in attendance for the CWC, which is the biggest crowd since COVID which is awesome. Yeah. And they were into it. They were working the crowd. That's what they want to do. That's why they were connecting with this match. Oh yeah. So, well, and you especially with, you know, the the folks who don't watch the indies and don't watch, don't know who Eli Drake is, LA Knight. Mm-hmm. You've got to build him a little bit because let's face it, he's not going to come in like a Karrion Cross, like a Samoa Joe, Shinsuke, uh Drew McIntyre you know, Adam Cole and just instantly be that monster and that, you know, face of the division that just runs everybody. Yeah. He's to me, he's more of a, you know, Seth Rollins in his first heel run with the authority or even uh, the Miz when he's a heel, he's going to be that smarmy guy. Who's like real funny, real sneaky and not always doing things the upstanding and right way. Yeah. And that works. So WWE has got a money feud on their hand. No pun intended. I can't wait to see where they go from here because oh, yeah. it's going to be awesome. And like for these guys, it's a star-breaking moment that they can definitely take and stand out on a roster that is jam-packed. Oh, yeah. So let it happen. Yeah. Let it happen. Next up. Uh, was the matchup for the NXT Women's title, and you had Raquel Gonzalez defending her belt against Ember Moon, and you had Raquel Gonzalez uh, emerge victorious via pinfall to uh, retain her NXT Women's Championship. Solid match. Yeah. Not mad about this at all. Raquel Gonzalez is going to be a big star for this division. Uh-huh. Uh, it just depends on how soon they want to do the complete face turn. Yeah. Because they are teasing it very well with Dakota Kai. Oh, yeah. Dakota Kai is the Bailey of this brand uh-huh. because when she turned from face to heel and has now just elevated her stock with the company even tenfold yeah this is gonna be something to see when this feud finally gets going on because kai is helping her right now but gonzalez is kind of like trying to carve her own path and for being relatively new to the roster gonzalez has excelled oh god she's yeah. picking up stuff the only knock that i know that we had during the match and i know rich touched upon it too from 3fn is there was that spot where Ember Moon got shot into the corner, like Laundart style? Yes. And it just seemed like the timing or angle was off. Sure. Because it, she could have, like, really did sure. some serious damage had it been, like, maybe a couple inches uh, sure. longer. Sure. But the, Gonzalez rebounded very quickly, got the quick choke slam out or uh, choke slam power bomb. Right. Well, and I mean, I think we can chalk that up to their first time in front of a crowd that large in quite some time. Yeah. You know, so there's going to there's gonna be missteps, and, and let's face it, they're used to wrestling in front of a large crowd, and in Ember's case, an even larger crowd. But when you have enough time away from such a crowd, it's it's an adjustment period getting back to it. Yeah, and they definitely were easing into it, because like we say, when they're eventually going to have bigger crowds happening for this brand, and it's going to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. That's why I said, like, this was the test run to get ready for them, because this crowd was definitely amped up to see them. 
And to see that they were really trying to do all the stops for this, and especially they know that they're being the co-main, mm-hmm. they got to come and deliver. Oh yeah. And Gonzalez definitely did that. Ember Moon, the former champion, and she is obviously awesome in her own right. Yeah. So this you knew it was going to be in very good hands to tell a great story. It did. Yeah. And now we go from there. Yeah. So I'm not mad about it, and then we have to see what Gonzalez is going to do next. Yeah. But. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, maybe matchup against Shotzi. Shotzi would make a lot of sense. I know Shotzi made a reappearance after yeah. being, I think she was off TV for injuries. Something. I, she ran out, chased Dakota Kai around the ring, shoved her into the flower bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were having a lot of fun that during this all, match. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely awesome. Yeah. But then we get to the main event. Yo, good goddamn almighty. Uh, so this was for the NXT Championship, and it was a final five-way with Karrion Cross defending his belt against uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, Adam Cole. Baby. Uh, and the only moon man who actually went to the moon that night, because let's face it, Cameron Grimes didn't, but Johnny Gargano did. Holy smokes. Uh, and you had Kieran Cross emerge victorious uh, via submission. He submitted Kyle O'Reilly in the ring to retain his NXT championship. Wow. This match was fucking nuts. Pad talked about this belt being the match of the year candidate, and you know what? I don't see any fault with saying that. No. They told an amazing, brutal story. Yeah. Pete Dunne, if anybody was not sure if he could hang with the bigger guys, if he could make a break from being Pete Dunne, yeah. I guess. And the just silent kind of, brooding. Yeah, the silent brooder. He definitely stole the show in this match. Oh, God, yeah. Every time that they were putting these wrestlers in a scenario where it would be two-on-one, they all were doing a fine job yeah. about hitting big moves, definitely keeping the pace up for the crowd. Yeah. And they didn't show any signs of really slowing down at all. Like they really told the story from beginning to end. And you had that sense of anybody could win this match. Now, a lot of times we don't get this. Sure. Because you think Karrion Cross, who has been the most dominant force in NXT since arriving and getting his title. Uh, quote, unquote, smashed through NXT's Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And winning this match, it definitely brings a lot of questions because the ending of this match was one of the most brilliant endings they've done in a while. Oh, yeah. Because not only did you have Adam Cole, baby, baby. taking on Kyle O'Reilly, and O'Reilly has always been the underdog and been the guy that has been scrapping his way to get it to the title. Yeah. And he finally gets a leg lock in with using his MMA background on Adam Cole. But meanwhile, Karrion Cross is knocked out. And then the one camera shot, it looked like straight out of a horror movie. Like uh-huh. Jason was coming out of the water to get his victim. Cross puts him in his chokehold, and you see that uh, Kyle O'Reilly is holding on to that hold so tight until he can. You see him start drooling and passing out, and that's how that ends the match. There was a couple, they did had a couple of those shots with Cross because that's the one thing I want to say with this match is they did a great job. Nobody took a hit in this match, which is something I was oh, yeah. kind of afraid was going to happen, that somebody was going to get the short end of the stick and be the one that just got smashed. They kept Cross looking good because, let's face it, it took at times two, if not all the other participants in the match to take him down. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, the other guys looked strong. I mean, they had, but to your point, they had a couple of those shots where Cross came up looking like a friggin' monster out of a horror movie. Because there was the one, I think it was after O'Reilly and Cole put him through the table or bounced him off the table because the table, whatever they used for steel that night, my God, it didn't break. It's vibranium. It didn't break. But Cole and O'Reilly bounced him off the table and he, I think he rolled off the other side and there was that shot of, I think it was when Pete Dunn was outside the ring and they just, the camera just kind of panned around and it showed the, 
the announcer's table and Cross just kind of slowly stands up and he's standing there. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, they filmed it perfectly. And, and I, lo- I got to give Dunn credit. He gets back in the ring and he just kind of he just kind of looks at the camera, looks at uh, Cross and does a little shrug. I'm like, you badass. Yeah, Pete Dunn definitely rose the stock in the company. And like I say, they had spots after spots. I know the moonsault to the super kick to the face looked oh, absolutely brutal. Oh, my God. To nail that and... Jesus. I mean, you can go pick through different parts of this match, but with the top five guys in NXT putting on that performance, that's why this brand stands out. The match was 26 minutes and 15 seconds, and normally with that mat, a match of that length where you start getting over 20 minutes, you run into a point where it slows down, it kind of tapers off a little bit. This match didn't. Definitely didn't. No, they definitely kept bringing, bringing the pace up. And they definitely wanted to set the tone that this is how important this match is. Everything was high stakes, high energy yeah. from bell to bell. And that's what you want in a match like this. Because oh, yeah. especially with the more people involved, it could turn into a mess in a hurry. But these are why these guys are in this match. And they're the top guys in this brand. The only other person you could add in was Finn Balor. Yeah. That would made some sense to me. But at the same time. on him at the moment. Well, you know, it's smartly, though, too, because yeah. he's just lost now two matches to, to Karrion Cross. So yeah. you have to take him out of the title picture for right now. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do with him is anybody's guess. I think he might be going back me roster. Well, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking going on because as Cross stands victorious, the card ended with William Regal going through this lamenting of NXT needs a change. He's well, been yeah, here seven years. Behind, this, behind the scenes and not literal behind the scenes, but backstage uh things were a bit of a mess you mm-hmm. know there was brawling you know i i know when they were had somebody was walking out for the main event match you saw what was it uh dakota kai and shotzi and raquel all brawling with each other and they were getting held back regal was getting trying to break up several fights and just you know he said that in my you know i've been nxt and i'm paraphrasing you know i've been gm of nxt for seven years and i've never had a night like tonight like you could just tell he was kayfabing that he like he was just selling like he was exhausted Mm -hmm. that like it was the longest night of his life it was you know he was just tired and he goes you know it's time for a change and what that means who knows but if you read the dirt sheets you have an idea well you have an idea but there's a lot of rumors running around obviously the last group of cuts from nxt or wwe Uh has been making a lot of rumors Uh and we want to stress rumors nobody is allowed to sign anywhere until august 31st from the second class we'll call it the braun Strowman class sure the Samoa Joe class of releases can sign as of July 14th. Mm-hmm. Now, it is heavily rumored that Samoa Joe has re-upped with NXT. Yep. Not WWE, but NXT. There's also a lot of rumors that possibly Aleister Black might be coming back. Maybe. There's some talk of that. Uh, and so we're not sure if this is supposed to be alluding to Regal's decision. There's also Daniel Bryan that's lost in yeah. the shuffle here that what is his status? Because it's been very well known that he has made some rumblings if he wouldn't, wouldn't mind going to NXT and seeing one Mr. Pete Dunne. Oh, that'd be good. So we really don't know what to expect. I mean, it is all speculation at this point. We don't Expect have a pair of brass knuckles from Mr. Regal. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun thing to see one of those superstars show up. He's done being Mr. Nice Guy. Bring out the brass knuckles. Yes. But we also kind of have to wait and see what is going to happen on Tuesday night as we were recording because then NXT comes back and we'll have an idea of the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. A lot of speculation. If it ends up being Joe, I hope to God that he's off stage, but he still has a mic and Regal's like, let's just say Regal's in the in the ring and he has the entire locker room surrounding the ring and talking to him. And you just hear from off stage, like backstage, 
and like I can't do a small Joe voice, but like you can picture it. Regal, I told you to get more security for your parking lot. Yes, that'd be fantastic. It needs to happen. That will be fantastic. I just hope Joe's there. He can wrestle. He's cleared. That is my Maybe. only hope. Like other than that, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the commissioner position. But there is going to be a lot of questions. We might get some answers on the next NXT episode. Mm-hmm. But let us get a quick break out of the way because we still have more wrestling to talk about. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about NXT TakeOver? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And where do you think the direction is going with William Regal from here? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. Explain how characters were created. Discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. This is Comic Book Keepers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we said the WWE brand had a big week. Uh-huh. They kicked it off with NXT TakeOver. And this coming Sunday yeah. is going to be WWE Hell in a Cell 2021. So this card is going to be something to check out on the Peacock Network, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it is going to be the infamous Hell in a Cell match. Yep. The monstrous structure, which has a history of shortening careers and putting on death-defying moments, is now going to be the focal point of this pay-per-view. So let us give our predictions to the card pad. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so the first match we're going to talk about is between one that was set up, I believe, on Raw this past week. Uh, yes. Between Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler. Now, if you heard last segment, you know my disdain for the whole fiend... Supernatural gimmick with Alexa Bliss. Yep. It's just, I, I think it's ran its course now. I'm just, I'm not tuned in, and I know they're really trying to push that the doll Lily yeah. is now controlling her yeah. and, and whatever that's supposed to be. I'm tuned out on it. I like Alexa Bliss a lot. I think oh, yeah. that she is a very, very charismatic figure, yeah. and she can definitely go in the ring. I think oh, that yeah. she can. She doesn't need this right now unless she has Bray Wyatt to balance off. Because it just, it, I don't understand what's going on here, and the supernatural thing just isn't working for me. Sure. However, seeing her in the ring against Shayna Baszler, I think it's going to be a fun match. Oh, yeah. I, with Baszler, listen, she's been lost in the shuffle since Becky Lynch uh, became a mom, and that whole feud got put on ice. Yeah. So she's really been lost in the shuffle here. I know she's been paired with Nia for the tag team titles, and right. that's finally done. Right. So now this should be an interesting thing to see where she goes from here. And honestly, I think Bliss wins outright. I'm thinking so too. I mean, I'm interested with the whole Alexa Blessing just to see where it goes. It's lost a bit of steam for me because when I was most interested in it was before she kind of went full blown what she is now, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was still kind of, oh, what's going to happen next flair to it. So now that she's full blown, you know, female fiend or whatever you want to call it. It's lost a little bit of interest. I will give her credit, though. She can flip the script between the happy, innocent little girl that you see from the Firefly Funhouse vignettes to the Alexa Bliss pissed off on a dime, and it's incredible to watch. Oh, yeah. You know, just especially, like, if you go back and you watch the uh, segment from last night where, like, Nia Jax is in the ring and 
she's talking with Nia Jax, just like she flips the switch like four or five times, and it's like, you are masterful at this. So it's lost a bit of steam for me, but I'm still kind of interested just to see where they go. I feel like they got to get something. You know, Lily ain't doing it. The whole little doll and what, you know, ain't doing it for me. So for me, you know, they got to finish with the whole doll thing and move on to something else because otherwise I'm going to lose even more interest. But I'm with you. I think Alexa is going to win just because of uh, supernatural shenanigans. Yeah, I think that's the only way you can go with this. I just don't know what the end game is going to be. But Bliss is trying to make this character work. So oh, I, yeah. give, I give her full credit oh, yeah. for it. But it, I just see it and I'm just going, okay, what are we going to do again this week? Have I not seen this before? And it's nothing on her about this, too. No, I, I want to stress no. that. She's trying to make the best of this character. But... I just think it's Rand's course because, I mean, it balances off Bray, and it makes a lot more sense with that. So that being said, though, I'm still taking Bliss to win. Uh, next up, you have the matchup for the SmackDown Women's Championship with Bianca Belair defending her get belt against Bayley. I'm only disappointed about this match that this is not in the Hell in a Cell cage. Okay. This has been an absolute fire feud. Love this. Love this match. Love this pairing. Bayley is absolutely a rock star. That laugh is annoying as shit. Yep, but you know what? We talk about people that are perfect as a heel and coming off her being the ultimate baby face. Yeah. Works. And Bianca Belair is a superstar on the rise. This is going to be an absolute great match. Oh, I'm yeah. excited to see what they can do. That, that laugh is going to haunt my nightmares for another week. Yeah. I, that, like, that laugh is already, like, annoying. Like, oh, my God. Like, it, and deliberately so. Mm-hmm. But when they took it on... I forget if it was this past week or the week before on SmackDown where they took all the little screens in the Thunderdome and they made them her when she was there via remote satellite and all her laughing and they you know, like all of the the voices were coming through so it wasn't just one voice it was like a thousand of them I'm like oh my god this is annoying but I get why you're doing it yeah no this would this is absolutely money feud and like I said Bailey is making the best of the heel situation I know they're buying time until Sasha and Bianca at SummerSlam I would assume. So I don't mind seeing this getting ran back one more time, but I think this is going to be a fun match. Oh, and yeah. I'm calling Bianca to win again. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. Could be a possible match of the night. Could be. Uh, next up is the Raw Women's Championship match where Rhea Ripley is defending her belt against, uh, you guessed it, Charlotte. Well, this is going to be interesting. I have to say Rhea Ripley has had the belt for a while now. I'm great with it. And Charlotte Flair is on the outside looking in. And mm-hmm. I think that one thing is Charlotte – is a character that will always be in the title contention. She's that good. I don't take anything away from her about this. I just like to see somebody else have the belt for a while because I know that when Charlotte's on the roster and she's active, she's usually champion. And it's it's good to see somebody else get a break. And I think for Ripley, it's a big move to have her retain. But I just don't know if that's going to happen. Right. If I have to make a prediction... I think Charlotte wins. I sure as shit hope not. I hope not. Like You can hear the distress in my voice about this. I'm not excited about it. I think it's going to be a great match. I think that they're definitely going to be doing a lot of great things with the time they're given here. And especially if you look at it, this is the third women's match on the card. I'm excited right. about it. Oh, yeah. Showcasing how talented the WWE's roster is of their female competitors. So I'm expecting them to bring it and have a great match. I'm hoping Ripley wins. I really am. I do too. But I, I fear Just Charlotte. Because Charlotte's very talented. She's one of the best, if not the best, female wrestlers in that company of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm still tired of seeing her win. Yes. Like, I don't know how long you have to go before I'm not tired of seeing her win, but I'm still too tired of seeing her win. And it's not waning any less to like, okay, I'm okay with seeing her win now. Like, no, I'm still tired of seeing her win. Yeah, that's the thing. I need a good break, and this would be a good break to have Ripley win. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 
Next up uh, is for the WWE Championship, where Bobby Lashley is defending his belt against Drew McIntyre, and this is a Hell in a Cell match. Okay. I'm not mad about this. No. They got to do a feud for Bobby Lashley. Yep. Drew McIntyre makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously, since you got rid of Braun, yeah. who else is going to be the real contender on, against him? Randy's on... tied up with uh, Matt Riddle. So yeah. That, so that's out. AJ's tied up with the tag belt. So that's out. Past that, I can't really think of anybody. And I know the stipulation is if McIntyre loses this time, he does not get a title shot against Bobby Lashley ever again. So the stakes are high. It's in hell in a cell. These two actually have decent chemistry together. Oh, so yeah. I am not unopposed to this. I just fear this this can be like kind of a predictable match. Yeah, because probably. either one of two things is going to happen: McIntyre wins, and we run it back against Bobby Lashley, mm-hmm. because that'll happen at I believe the next pay per view might be a Clash of Champions. I will look. But if he doesn't, then Drew's out of the title picture, and who else is going to be the next one to step up on Raw? Kofi Mania, baby. I'd love to see Kofi Mania. I hope they do. So I would be okay if Drew didn't get it. Uh, and it appears that Money in the Bank has. Oh, next. that's right. Money in the Bank, and it's in July. I see. I keep forgetting because I'm so used to the old WWE schedule that I always think Money in the Bank is earlier. Yeah, but it normally is. But you know what? They might actually. Oh man, I'm fearing something right now. I could see Lashley winning. Mm-hmm. Drew winning Money in the Bank. Hey. So he can have that moment in front of fans where he wins the belt. Not saying it's my ideal thing, but I think that being said, I'm going to go with that booking. Um, I, uh, I, Christ, I don't know. Lashley. Flip a coin. Yeah. No, but like, like the match is going to be good. Just the outcome, no matter how you slice it, because of just how strapped they are for main event people on that show makes this very tough. Yeah. But like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing uh Kofi get it. Oh, Kofi would be good. I'd be I would be all in if they decided to let Kofi get another run with the belt. I'm 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 thousand percent on board. Oh yeah, no, I am too. But I, I just I fear they're gonna do that with with Drew. Just and I, I don't want to see the money in the bank get ruined like that. Yeah. Just because he's already had the belt. So I don't I'll say don't Baron Corbin it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then lastly, let's face it, is gonna be your main event. Uh, is for the Universal Championship with Roman Reigns defending his belt against Rey Mysterio in a Hell in a Cell match. I have a question, and Pat, I don't know if you know the answer for this. Uh-huh. Has Rey ever been in a Hell in a Cell match? I don't think so, but I can try and look. All right, let's see if we can take a peek while, you're, while I'm talking here. Because uh, uh, to my memory, I am blanking if he has been. But Roman Reigns, best thing on WWE programming, bar none. The whole head of the family, head of the table storyline has been absolute must-watch programming. He is the reason the needle moves on Friday nights. There is no questions. There is no debate about this. This is what he does. And I am here for it. So now they're getting into a situation where he's running through every single contender. And I know they've been establishing that... There is these attacks happening on Dominic and Roman's behind it. And I know that originally they were going to have the Usos fight for the belts against the Mysterio family. And this is where the feud is building from. So they've done the smart thing about it. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Like, do I think that Ray is going to win this match? No. No, I do not. I think that he's going to have a great showing in this match. And I'm going to be all here for it. But at the end of the day, we still live in Roman Reigns' world. 
Facts. There's no chance otherwise. You can't tell me that Roman is going to lose this. I'm sorry, he's just not. And it's not a shame against Ray. Ray has done everything he can in this business. So you have to factor this in. Can Roman carry this belt even further to SummerSlam? Right. Uh, from what I can tell, it does not appear that Ray's been in a Hell in a Cell match. He's been in Steel Cage matches, but not a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, I don't. to my knowledge, I don't think he's ever been. And I, that's why I'm just blanking on because I think for him to be in one finally, that's a big moment. And that's a must-watch moment to catch. Because Ray is a legendary, he's a Hall of Famer whenever you want to do it. Especially when you look up his profile on ProFightDB.com. Because you, you can go but look at his matches by promotion specifically. Uh, he's got 30 promotions mm-hmm. listed on this site that he's had matches for. Yeah. The dude's done it all all over the world. Yeah, so I mean this is just another thing to cross off the bucket list so to speak. Putting him in Hell in a Cell, I think, is going to be a fun match. Like, they're going to tell a great story. It's going to be a great main event. He's going to do some sort of weird shit from, like, the roof of that. And I don't mean, like, McFoley on the roof. I'm talking, like, hanging like a spider from inside the cage on the roof. Yeah, he'll do something. He'll do something. He'll, he'll make a crazy spot. Like, he's, yeah, he's not going to go McFoley. He's probably had one in his head for, like, 15, 20 years and just never had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Like I said, I'm here for it and just how far Roman can take this belt now. Because obviously they're teasing the tension with the Usos. Yeah. I don't know if they would have him versus Jimmy Uso. Mm, and, nah, not yet. And Money in the Bank. Not yet. I could see possibly one of the Usos winning Money in the Bank, which I'd be all for. I can see whichever one it isn't the right hand man. Uh, you know, I not see. him, the, the other one that's kind of like Jimmy. Well, Jim, Jimmy, yeah. On the, on the fringes, still not loyal. Yeah, but you know what, though? I, it would be it, be an interesting play like that'd be that'd make for an that'd make for an interesting story if the one uso brother who's not fully in the camp yet is all of a sudden holding that briefcase and you got roman trying to like bring uh jay back in like hey listen you're you're my right hand man you're supposed to this that, and the other and like that'd make for real interesting stories it definitely would and you know what i'd be all here for it like i said they are doing no wrong with roman reigns about this no God, so no. i am not complaining about this i'm not mad about this it's going to be a fun night of matches. So, like I say, I'm excited to check it out. I'm surprised we didn't get Seth Rollins and Cesaro in a hell in a cell. Yeah. I was hoping they we did. They only ever usually do two of these matches at the pay-per-view. So. Yeah, I know, but I was figuring that might have been a better feud I match. Think the one, I think the one year they might have done like three, and that felt like a little too much. It, it did feel like a little too much, but I would have rather had that match be in a hell in a cell than Roman sure. Great. Like, I, I, like for those, these kind of matches, they're like the big blow-off feud. See, the thing of it is, though, is I, I fully expect... Because uh, Roman don't ever go on middle of the show. He goes on last. Mm-hmm. I fully anticipate Roman could win this thing by doing to him what Lesnar did to Roman uh, at the, what was it, Crown Jewel, where the, he speared him through the speared him through the fencing. I'd be okay with that. I Like, you, you want to leave everybody with a dominant, you know, holy shit moment. That'd do it. I tell you what, I'm here for it. I guess we're going to have to wait till Sunday to find out. Like we said, Hell in a Cell will be on the Peacock Network, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So definitely make plans to go check it out and give us your predictions because ODPH Society, we want to hear them. And if you even want more wrestling talk, remember twitch.tv slash 607 podcast each and every Thursday night. Rich from Three Fat Nerds and I are going to be breaking down everything going on in the world outside of WWE, inside WWE, you name it. It's worth knowing. We talk about it. But hit us up on those hashtags, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Hell in a Cell 2021? We want to know. Give us your predictions. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Good morning. Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast. 
The Real Brains. The Real Brains podcast is a show coming out daily, dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, just anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone, so come laugh at uh, our pain together every single weekday, every place you can catch a podcast. Check out The Real Brains with Brian Wayne. Remember, stay sane. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, why don't you lead us off? Uh, i got to talk a local minute first uh, because the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are home again this week uh, facing the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, their games are from this Tuesday, uh, June 15th, all the way through Sunday, June 20th. Uh, game times and more information on bingrp.com. Uh, after that, they are on a bit of a road trip. Uh, next week, they are out to Reading uh, for, another ser- uh, for a series against them. Uh, and then the following week, starting on June 29th, uh, they are traveling to Richmond to play them. They return home on uh, July 6th uh, to start a series against New Hampshire. And like I said, more information, times and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Right on. Uh, and then real quickly, just got one thing to talk about because this caught my eye and this was friggin' hilarious. Uh, if In case you weren't familiar, uh, there is a sequel to The Match. Oh. Of course, the matchup, golf matchup that took place between, uh, what was it, Tiger Woods and... and uh, Phil Mickelson. Pay- Peyton, Ty- Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson with Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning playing last year. Well, Peyton Manning, or uh, no, Tom Brady had so much fun, he wanted to do it again. So you've got uh, Tom Brady re-teaming up with uh, uh, Phil Mickelson, but this time... It's not Peyton Manning. It's Aaron Rodgers teaming up with PGA Tour player uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, And this is taking place on July 6th. And they had a bit of a press event today. Uh, Brian Anderson was the host. And uh, he said to Rodgers, quote, You've really kept a low profile this offseason. I've hardly seen your name at all. And you haven't hosted any TV shows or been involved in any kind of controversy (laughs) or anything. It's been a nice, peaceful offseason for you, it sounds like. Rodgers replied, quote, It's been one of those quiet offseasons you dream about where you can kind of just go through your process on your own quietly and all that's and that's all you can ask for as an older player in the league and someone who's been around for as long for a long time and just enjoy that time enjoys that time to yourself just relax to not be bothered to not have any obligations or anything going on <laughs> close quote my god that was incredible amazing troll job uh-huh. amazing yeah no i haven't heard anything about rogers roger yeah just peace peace and quiet all, all saw, saw him in some photos in hawaii but other than that crickets not a word not a word at all yeah so let us close out talking about some basketball uh-huh so the nba playoffs are in full effect yeah and we gotta give you the roundup of what's going around the league yeah so, Pad, why don't you tip us off here? Yeah, so starting out in the West Coast, uh, in the conference semis right now, you have the number one seeded Utah Jazz taking on the fourth seeded LA Clippers, where the series is currently tied at two games apiece. Uh, very surprising by that. Very surprised, but you know what? The thing about them is the LA Clippers are almost like an Atlanta type vibe. Yes. You got all the talent in the world, but when Kawhi Leonard shows up. And he, boy, did he ever last night. Yes, and he made a point that the poster he did. Oh. is going oh. to carry them through the series. I'm sorry. Like, Utah, I don't have any problem with. Like, I'm not, like, no. a disdain for. No. But you just saw momentum shift. Uh-huh. That, I'm sorry, this is the Clippers series to lose now. That yeah. That one dunk is enough to really drive a team and a fan base to get going. 
Yep. And I tell you what, they were clicking on all cylinders. And when Kawhi is on the court and if he is dialed in, few people come near him. Uh-huh. So I don't know how Utah really bounced back from this. I don't think they can. It's going to be a tough, tough job to do. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. But I <laughs> no, it's going to be tough for Utah because, you know, if you ever watch those documentaries or TV specials about a team that was going through the playoffs and like there's that one, you know, like the Yankees when in 04, God, I hate talking about it in the ALCS where it was that stolen base against Mariano mm-hmm. where that was the moment, you know, the momentum swung and the game changed and the whole series was altered. Yep. Like moments like that, like that dunk by Kawhi could be, could be because we don't know that moment for this series. Yeah. But how that thing just went viral. Uh-huh. I, that was I, the first thing I saw this morning. And goddamn. That messes with a lot of people's heads, man. Yeah, just, it does. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. So, if Utah is up to the challenge, they got to win that next game. I mean, no matter what, because I tell you what, if the Clippers come in and do another performance like that, it's a wrap. Clippers could be in the in the Western Conference Finals, and the Lakers aren't. This is a weird playoff. 2021, man. Uh-huh. Weird year. Uh, and then the other conference semifinal game we had going on is well, it's already over because you had the two seated Phoenix Suns taking on the three three seated Denver Nuggets, also the home of the uh, now reigning NBA MVP in Nikola Jokic. Uh, and well, apparently he sacrificed the team's playoff potential for a M- MVP. I'm kidding, uh, because the four-seeded, uh, four-seeded, two-seeded Phoenix Suns swept the Denver Nuggets four games to none to be the first team in either conference to advance to the conference uh, finals. I tell you this, Chris Paul. Yo, did anybody think at the beginning of the season? that he would be the one that is leading this team no. to the finals. I don't think anybody gave them a shot, and I know no, very few people gave him a shot because Bleacher Report shared a thing from their page, Twitter page, whatever, uh, BR Betting, mm-hmm. that when Chris Paul got traded to the Phoenix Suns, their odds moved from whatever it was to like plus 6,500. Yeah. And all of the – they said all the – you know, with the Chris Paul getting traded to the Suns, the, their odds have now moved to plus 6,500. Would you take the bet to win the title? Would you take the bet? And it was filled with replies of hell no, hell no. Somebody at one point go, what did, what did the 76ers, Lakers, and Bucks die? Like, it was just like all, and here we are sitting that they're, you know, one series away from being in the NBA Finals. It's absolutely crazy to see the job that he has done and Coach Williams and everybody out there. They finally put together the winning formula. Uh-huh. Devin Booker is looking like the all-star that we all thought he had the potential to be. Oh, yeah. And Chris Paul, like I said, I can't stress this enough, is having this career renaissance Yeah. right now that it's it's just wild to see him demonstrate this. Yeah. At this stage of his career, been in the been in the league for what fifteen plus years, yeah, something like that. That like he was written off when he got traded from Houston to Oklahoma City, written off. They're like, oh, the green, you know, it's like when Emmett Smith went to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, oh, that greener pastures. Here we go, end of the career, had a damn good career, admittedly one season, but a damn good season in Oklahoma City, and now he's taken this Phoenix Suns team into the Western Conference Finals. Well, he's just so focused on proving everybody wrong like that's the one thing about him like he is playing with such a chip on his shoulder Uh uh-huh it's absolutely wild to see at this stage 
but he's the one piece of the puzzle that's been missing. Which is weird to say. Yeah, but he has given Devin Booker that reliance that he so desperately needed out there. I mean, yeah. Phoenix has always had a young team. They just never reached that potential. Now, I'm telling you what, I don't really care who comes out of the East. Good luck. If you got to face Phoenix, that's at least six games, if not seven. Oh, easily. In sleep. Just saying. So for Phoenix, and I will tell you what, if it winds up being them and the Clippers, that's box well, and, office and, and, right there. And Phoenix is going to be even more scary because, let's face it, they're getting time to rest. Yeah. Phoenix is sitting there waiting on the winner of Utah and the Clippers who are currently tied at two games apiece. That series has got to go at least two more games, which means it's got to go at least, like, what, another four days? Yeah. Before they know? And you're giving Chris Paul time to rest. Like, that's the scariest thing about this. So Phoenix, I tell you what, is looking like they got the upper hand right now on everybody. So... Depends on what happens in that Clippers-Utah series. I do like the Clippers to take it because I, yeah, I, I, I just think they're more talented. It's yeah. just now they're putting it together. But, man, I'll tell you what, Phoenix is going to be tough to beat out of the uh-huh. West. Then flipping it to the East. Yeah, uh, so the one conference semifinal game you got going on is between the one-seeded Philadelphia 76ers and the fifth-seeded Atlanta Hawks, where the series is currently tied at two games apiece. Scary thing, though. Did you catch the game with Embiid and company going cold in that second half. No, but I heard about it. If Embiid is hurting, as ESPN has reported, I'm showing Pad the stat right now, or the bothered by ailing knee. Yep. So he faded away in the second quarter. Now this is from ESPN. Yep. So if Embiid is not ready to carry the weight here because he is banged up. Got to depend on that Ben Simmons jumper. You got to get something out of Simmons, <laughs> man. And I'm telling you right now, if you are not doing that. The damn kitchen sink at this point. It's it's going to be long. It's going to be a long series. I hate saying it because my disdain for the Hawks is still strong. I can't understand why, why you hate them. Yeah, but Trey Young, and even now I'm hearing Trey Young's banged up too, which I don't understand. Uh, yeah? yeah, I don't. I hear he's got like a little ailment he's working through. Hmm. But they're scrapping. I mean, that's the one thing about Atlanta they're going to do. They're not going to win pretty every no, night. But the fact, no. the fact they've stolen two games out of Philly's grass, that says a lot. But I'm saying if Embiid is going 0 for 12 in the second half, yeah, I would be a little cautious, hey, listen, Philly. There's, a, there's at least one team in Atlanta that can't suck. Yeah, I, well, that's what I'm saying. Like Somebody's got to balance it out. Braves aren't all that hot. Falcons are well. Falcons. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Yeah, somebody's got balance out there. But if they can sneak that out, granted, I think if Atlanta does get past Philly, they don't get past the next round. Yeah. I think it's going to be a wrap. But let us talk about that one, shall we? Oh, yeah. So the other conference uh, semifinal matchup you got going on is between the three-seeded Milwaukee Bucks and the two-seeded Brooklyn Nets. And the series is currently tied at two games apiece. I'm noticing a trend here. Yes. And obviously, Brooklyn has some injuries going on. <laughs> to say the least. Kyrie Irving is out the series. Yep. With uh, a sprained ankle, I believe. Yep. Uh, right so ankle sprain. Yep. Had a very nasty injury with that. James Harden, hamstring is not right. He went from out to doubtful on the medical report. So if he's doubtful, he is going to try playing through it. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, case in point, Anthony Davis. I I completely agree Which I with get you. Davis was a groin injury, but still, it's a lower body injury. I, and this is the thing: hamstrings are not something that you just miraculously no. bounce back from. Oh no, God, no! So he's got a chance to do worse damage to it. And I am saying this is the Knicks fan in the room. Yeah. I'm not wishing he does this. I hope he sits because why not? Because I want Milwaukee to get an advantage. 
Think long term. Well, yeah, and especially with Kyrie's sprained ankle, he's going to be questionable and limited. Should Brooklyn win this, he's going to be limited the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. Because that, again, that is not something that you can sit out for a week and be like, okay, yeah, you're good to go 100%. I don't care how magically gifted he is in healing ailments. Like, that's not something you bounce back from in a week. No, you definitely don't. So the fact that they're even, like, debating this fact, I mean, it makes me slightly nervous. I'm I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. I would be more inclined to say, all right, We'll take our chances and think long term. Yeah. But, you know, if Harden wants to try going, he can try going. And then it goes up to KD, which Stephen A. Smith saying that KD is the greatest basketball player in New York history. Uh, I I don't agree with that take. I'm just going to put that out there. No. And I'm just going to leave it there because. It might be right now. I mean, currently, yeah, I'll give you that. At this stage today, yes. But. All time? All time? Mm, probably not. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I can't say all time. But it's going to take an MVP-like performance for two games yeah. that I don't know if he can do because I'm not. He's t- only one dude. He's one dude against Giannis and a team that is ready, that took the series back. Yeah. They were on the ropes. They could have been finished. They're now back in this. They There's something about having that confidence. Brooklyn could have broke them and made them humble. Yeah. And now you don't do that. You you let them jump back in, which, listen, I understand injuries happen. They play the you sure. play a play game. Sure. Injuries happen in every sport. You can't sure. rely on that as a crutch. But what I'm saying is they're going to need to do is they need a crazy two, three game push out of uh, KD. Because well, and it, let's face it, yeah, they've got other guys on that team that can play. Not any one of them, no disrespect, can hold a candle or come close to matching what you would get from Kyrie or, or, or uh, Harden. Yeah, you're you're not going to get that. I'm sorry. Like, it's just you can't match that firepower. And if I am Giannis, I am saying right now, you got to finish that off. Mm-hmm. You can't let this game go to waste. Because I will tell you this. If Brooklyn goes up 3-2, it's a wrap. It's done. You have Brooklyn dead to rights here. Yep. You should be able to run away with this and completely take this series over. Mm-hmm. Good teams do this. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, injuries happen, but the good sure. teams step up to take advantage sure. of it. I'm sorry. It is what it is in sports. If Milwaukee doesn't win game five here, it's a wrap. Yep. Because I'm sorry. You can't give that team that much leg room to run with. And I'm sorry. I, and I'm what I'm seeing on the court from them, too, I haven't been blown away by in these playoffs. Right. Because I think that there's a lot of blame that this team just is not ready for prime time in this aspect because they're having fault moments. Sure. They're having very bad decision-making that I know that I think a lot of it's got to come down to Steve Nash in this playoff series, too. Could be. In my opinion. Could be. Like I say, it is one of these weird situations that I think that they need to really see what they get out of this team. And I'm sorry, like I don't have any real sympathy for Brooklyn for the simple fact that... This team is a super team. Yeah. No, it is. And, I mean, to the point of if Brooklyn wins and the fan, and some of the fans start turning, oh, well, we didn't have all five, all, or all, all three players on the court. To that, I say this. Oh, Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. You, you, you can't do that 
And, like, I'm sorry. You have no excuse about it. You have Blake Griffin on that team. Uh Uh-huh. You have other weapons on that team. Yeah. You need to show up and ball. If KD is really as good as Stephen A. Smith is, and I'm showing Pad the quote right now. Oh, I see it. Then prove it. you got to drop 45 to 55 tonight to keep this team relevant. But I'm sorry. You're not having that luck right now. There's a certain man on that roster named P.J. Tucker Uh who has been in your face and shutting you down this entire series. So if you can somehow find a way to get through him, good luck. But I'm telling you right now. Yeah, I mean, when your other starting five, you know, the other guys in your starting five are you got Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Bruce uh, Brown started uh, the last game, and then you got Kyrie. So plug in whoever's going to do that. Like, it's going to be real hard to fill the hole. And then you got DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench, but Milwaukee's got to capitalize. They got to capitalize, and I will say this: I know Stephen A. Smith, or uh, not Stephen A. Smith, but uh, Steve Nash was criticizing about Tucker's defense. Listen, oh, please. this is 90s basketball right here. It's physical. If you can't handle it, you shouldn't be playing. Steve Nash got a bloody freaking nose in a playoff game. Yeah, but like I say, for all the criticism that they've been doing about the defense list, listen, he's played them hard. Didn't didn't Nash get shoved into the scores table in a playoff game yeah. one time? And he's sitting here going, oh, this is too physical. Well, this is what I don't like about the coaches. That they immediately start complaining about the fouls and, oh, it's too physical. I'm sorry. Nash you got shoved into next week. Look up the video. You play physical sports. Is it football? No. Is no. it rugby? No. I'll say it ain't, the, it ain't the inside linebacker coming over the middle. Seriously, but you do have fouls. I'm sorry. You also have a sport that f- does give a penalties for flopping. Uh-huh. So don't come at me about this. Oh, it's too physical. Stop. Why don't you worry about winning the game instead of making excuses? Let's see what you got, Brooklyn. Calling you out. New York forever on this podcast. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that Brian Wolf. Hey, Pat, do you know Brian Wolf's got a new website? No, no, I do not. Yes, he just came out with a new website that has all his music endeavors on it. Where do you find the quick and easy link for that? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with Brian. Brian's got a ton of things going on. He's like one of the hardest working people in Austin, Texas. You can also check out everything going on locally here in the 607 with our good friends. Shout at the robots. You can check out everything going on with Floodlands. Second Suitor, who's got awesome new merch out, by the way. And you can also check out Tom Jolo, who's dropping a new single from that album this Uh Friday on streaming. And this is the one that I did here in studio, and it looks and sounds absolutely fantastic. Everything about that whole album is fantastic. Just saying. So definitely swing on over there, download some music, get it in your system, kick your weekend off right. Also, while you're at the webpage, swing on over to the directory, which has friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games and Excite Wrestling, which has got some news coming out that I can't really specify because I don't know it. Moose is teasing this big, big announcement. So you definitely have to stay tuned for that. We also have organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and also all the Podchaser pages to the groups that we are in because it's always been my rule since day one. If you're on Twitter and you're claiming I'm in a pod group, and we're the best. Where's your Podchaser page? Because if you don't have one, you're not in a group. So definitely want to shout out everybody in the apocalypse and shout out everybody in the inner circle doing big things. And, of course, everybody in hashtag 607 podcasts. Rich, Ron, Mike, C, Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Uh-oh. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. For everything that is going on with our good friends over at 8122, you definitely want to swing over to patreon.com slash 8122productions. Enough said. All of that 
New blogs coming out this week, too, on Parlay Points. Want to plug that as well. And so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.